0: to Overdue Rentals, where we talk about films that maybe didn't didn't get enough time shining in the light back when they first came out, or maybe they were big hits, but nobody really talks about them anymore. I'm Matthew Shupman. And I'm Mike Reyes. And today we're going to be joined by Harvey Guillen. He's going to talk about his new film, Werewolves Within, and uh, as well as his Overdue Rentals choice, Heavenly Creatures, which both are great films. Werewolves Within is based on a video game, actually, surprisingly. It's actually... Uh, a uh, Ubisoft uh, published game, uh, and the film though deals with a group of people who are in a remote town, uh, snowed in, and uh, there seems to be maybe uh, some werewolf attacks going on. And really, werewolves? Exactly. Who in we- a
1: movie called werewolf. Werewolves Within?
0: Yeah, exactly. In a movie called Werewolves Within, who is the werewolf within?
1: See, I would think they just keep the werewolf within and not release them, but. Um... I, yeah. yeah. I guess we're not spoiling anything here. There no, are no, way-
0: spoilers, no spoilers. Well, there may be some spoilers, though, for Heavenly Creatures, Harvey's Pick, which was a 1994 film by Peter Jackson, uh, which was based on a true story about a true crime, a murder in New Zealand back in the 50s. Uh, it is the first film to feature Kate Winslet and Melanie Linsky, uh, and it's the first film Peter Jackson did that probably wasn't considered a horror film, or a disgusting puppet film <laughs> at the time. Um and you know we'll talk about that more later uh, after we speak to Harvey. But that is w- great choice. I mean, it, it's definitely a movie that we have on our list, and an amazing choice to talk to Har- that we're going to be able to talk to Harvey about. I'm I'm thrilled to talk about it.
1: Those are really hard to find, but you know we'll get into that more uh, once we get Harvey into the room. Are we ready to go?
0: Absolutely. And with that, let's get Harvey in here. <laughs> Harvey, thank you so much for joining us here at Overdrentals. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. I got to say, and I think Mike's going to agree with me, because we quickly talked about it. It's so much fun with this movie. I was really, really, really pleased.
2: Yeah, it was so fun to make it. It was just, uh, you know, because you don't know what the final product is going to look like, but uh, we always feel comfortable, you know, in the director's hands. And Josh is amazing. This is such his genre, and he's so passionate about it that there was not a second that we didn't feel we we weren't in good hands. We were always safe.
1: And what's also kind of neat about this is I didn't put two and two together until the end, but as I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking, wow, this is, this is kind of a successor to Clue in a sense, just because of the manic energy and the stacked cast wandering through this mystery. And then at the end, oh, based on the Ubisoft video game, I did not know this was a video game movie. You tricked me.
2: Well, I'm. It's we learn something new every day. That's what I always say. I didn't know that you know there was a video game until the, I got you know off of the movie and then I looked into the video. Game, I was like, oh. But in a weird way, I feel like we've all played you know this video game, the live version, because you could take the same rules they apply into the live version where you play uh, werewolf, you know, with like a group of ten people, mm-hmm. and it's been renamed, you know, also like mafia or something, you know, where it's a uh, when when you know it's a social game and left to, to the actual members in that group, you are making choices based on the wrong things. It's like personal agendas or being vindictive or personal gain. And that's not good. <laughs> that's kind of a bad democracy, you know, it's just like, but that's kind of the very telling of what the movie is, is where sometimes you're looking for who's the monster in the room and before you know it, you're looking in a mirror
0: you know, it's it's very strange too because while it is based on the game and those types of games in a way except for the specific twist i also had a very feel of twilight zone uh monsters do a maple street feel to it
2: mm-hmm. yeah it's it's it has so many great layers and what i love about it is that Someone was just saying that they have to go back and see things because they remember clues that were dropped by certain characters where you are being taken on your own journey. So, every person who's watching this film is on their own track and they're like, Oh, I know who, it, and I have a pretty good idea. And this person's crossing over here, you know, and like, so we have all these intertwinings of like, who done it. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, um, the moral, you know, that I see in the story is that the question is that. Yeah. Do we all have a werewolf within us? You know, every one of us has uh, our limits, you know, whether it be for good or for bad, everyone has their limits. And that's when the real werewolf comes out.
1: And as they all discovered the werewolves were within them in the Twilight (laughs) Zone. (laughs) Now, what, tell me about getting to work with just everybody on, like, there, this is, you literally look at the list of people that are in this movie and, like, Sam Richardson, uh, Milana Vantrev, uh Michaela Watkins. Uh, was there any sort of special preparation that you or anyone did going into this knowing, okay, I'm in a room full of, like, killers here, and I'm going to have to work mo- harder than ever to keep it together?
2: I mean, I think there was once I got the cast, I was like, wow, this is a great cast, obviously. And then, but you never know until you meet people in person because, you know, they always say like, you know, don't meet your heroes or like, you know, because it might disillusion. But like the fact that every single person on this cast is an amazing human being and so talented was like going away to camp with all your best friends. Like literally we became our own community was like life was imitating art and vice versa because we were living in a small campground in upstate New York in the Catskills. It was only us in this campground. We were cooking our own dinners at night. We were uh, hanging out by the fireplace, having a drink, putting on records, and people sharing stories. and And we were a family. Like it was just, it literally, we were living and breathing this work every day. And mm. I think it really reflects when we incorporate that into like the members of this community that are you know torn by this pipeline that's going through and voting against it or for it. And we were the real community uh, off, off screen as well.
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting, too, because exactly what you mentioned before, also, with the idea of being the werewolf within, possibly, um, for, for yourself, you know, that, that true feeling of it. As you even had, I know you had a script and you, you're going to follow the script, but you have to be ready at any point to be, well, maybe I have to turn for a second to be show something that maybe is there in the middle of this, because that has, to, you said it has to be there, it has to be able to turn on a switch.
2: Yeah, so we have to play the character, at least for myself and Joaquin, like just playing uh, on the tightrope, right? So like everything you do could be taken a, a certain way, like everything, anything you dropped as a little nugget along the way. We're like, oh, wait, wait, you know, and that's the whole idea of uh, who done it, because again, who is the werewolf, you know, and uh, we all have. Character traits that could be easily seen, you know, by any mannerisms, by any is all in the eye of the beholder, right? So it's like I could pick up a glass, like see that's that's exactly how werewolf would pick it, and it's like that's your interpretation, but I'm glad you observed it. But that's just every character was doing that, whether down from the knitting that Michaela Watkins was doing with her character and her inflection with her voice, which you know was so. I'm in love with the way she just says her lines and just like, tchotchke, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, with Sam and the rhythm of Sam's like, uh, you know, uh, speech and the way he talks is just like, he has a way with words and uh, George, Basil, and like just the the list goes on and on. Rebecca, like, oh my gosh, like it's just like so much fun stuff.
0: I got to admit though, I probably flashed off like one second while watching the movie because I missed it when they said it. Because you also happen to have not just the mannerism, but the last name of the character is Wolfson. I didn't even realize at first.
2: <laughs> That's right. So even small things like that where people were like, oh, I totally missed that. But they were there. The next, so it's like people are going back and saying, I'm going to have to watch this film. Like, I loved it. And I have to watch it. Just to go and find, cause like, you know, you play a, a, a player, right? You get to play which one you want to be. So today you want to be, you know, and tomorrow you want to be, you know, or something, you know what I mean? Like you get to see the game through a different lens um, every time. And if you do that, you can watch this movie several times and see things that you didn't see before.
1: I almost wish that they did have like a multiple ending approach, like Clue where someone different was. right. The- <laughs> Another thing that was beautiful in watching this is you and Cheyenne Jackson just have this wonderful energy together as like this beautiful sort of bougie couple up in the sticks mm-hmm. and just the little things here and there like, we're not tech millionaires.
2: <laughs> or he's like, I'm training for a marathon. He's grabbing a croissant. It's like, no, the marathon ticks off. <laughs> no no, carbs carb. for no carbs. <laughs> That was actually ad-lib. Those scenes were a little bit ad-lib because Cheyenne and I ne- had never met before uh people assume that we had. people are like i thought you guys were like friends because you guys were bouncing I to it. like no we've never met before I, i'm obviously very well familiar with his work um i actually recommended him for the role to our director josh because he said who do you want to play opposite because he wanted me to play hakeem and says who do you want to play as your husband and i was like well what are we looking for funny has to be charming charismatic but also has to have depth and i was like how about someone like i don't know cheyenne jackson and he goes okay and then he just went away, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And then so like, "Okay, so Cheyenne's gonna be your husband," <laughs> and it was kind of like that's how it came to be. And, and as luck would have it, we met, and we just hit it off. And he was so wonderful and giving, and you know, glad to call him friend now. And just was talking to him, he was just in Europe filming something, and um, just in the, uh, the, the dynamic between us was so perfect. And that sort of showed that uh, in the what's been presented as the norm of a queer uh, love interest or a queer relationship or a normal quote-unquote relationship it's um doesn't look the way you think it does you know and to present that as like these are two people they're in love they're funny they're living in a small town you know what I mean to show that was really important and I'm, I think we we accomplished that
1: it's absolutely just beautiful to see that like representation has come so far for queer couples like you said and just it, it you you really look at this couple and it's not just hey they're a queer couple here woo it's like no they're a couple and you just sink into that and i have to say that since you've told us that you chose your husband this is the best arranged marriage i've ever heard of
2: <laughs> in history yeah i think it's it, it was just you know so lucky to to have this whole cast but yeah it's just the, it really goes off of energy and and how we play off each other and, and every one of the couples in relationships, whether they were in turmoil or a destructive relationship uh, that you might have seen, you know, um, it, it's everyone is believable in what they're playing.
0: Was there a point where there were like team building exercises where like people were playing the game just to kind of get into that feel and then bring that back to the screen?
2: No, I don't think we were doing that. I think what our team building, if you will, was just hanging out with each other. I think uh, at the end of a long day, the fact that you still wanted to see these people is a credit to how wonderful they are. Because sometimes you get to set you, this is work and home is home, and mm. you don't mix those together. Uh, but we were mixing this because we had to. We were living and working together. But we, every minute we spent together, it was so lovely. Cooking dinner for each other, like every night we like alternate. Someone's going to the grocery store. Like you know, we were in the middle of the woods, and so we didn't have television. We weren't watching TV, we put on a record on the record player. It was like nineteen fifty-four, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and and we loved it. And it actually really kind of made you uh nostalgic for you know the old ways of communicating with people and how to socialize and not necessarily having to use social media. I mean, you couldn't get internet really up there, mm. so you weren't really that heavy on social. You get hot, you know, spots and whatnot, but uh it kind of it makes you appreciate uh life in a different way and it makes you see how much we rely on certain things every day that we can't live without where you can you can't live without it you just focus on a human being and you can live without electronics
0: and you said you were filming up in the cat skills right so was it the weather for the most part real for seeing, or you had to have a lot of special effects bought in
2: no, it was snowing. We're in the middle of you know uh, we had a couple of snowstorms that came in, which give us a nice you know blanket of snow for the next couple of seasons, uh, or scenes, not seasons. Um, <laughs> but uh, what was funny is that there was a scene where it was snowing really hard when we started the scene, and you know you can't control weather. Um, we will one day, said Lisa. <laughs> um, but like the idea that uh, we we were it was snowing so hard, and then of course a turnaround. It wasn't, and it was, so it was like so. Those parts were like it was like you know. But honestly, when I looked at the film, I was like, I forgot what which scene it because it's oh. so seamless that I can't tell. So at that point, I was like, kudos to you know our our creative team and production and and all of the editors and all of the special effects because it's it's seamless and it, it works. And so it was pretty cold. We we're shooting in the middle of winter. We we're shooting. Um, I think it was like late middle of January February into march and it was all the winter that was pretty much winter we saw the beginning of spring and wow this is march what could go possibly wrong and then we all know what happened
0: (laughs) um I, i i it's weird to say because you have such a tremendous resume behind you but i think there's so many people right now who just absolutely are pinpoint in love with you on what we do in the shadows so I was wondering if there was, though, even though if you love the script, maybe some, like, do I want to do something else tied to the whole werewolf kind of mysterious monster thing? Maybe I should take a second and think about it.
2: Yeah, there was a moment where, you know, obviously this was through a friend like my friend Francesca, who texted me and said, hey, my friend is directing this project. I think you'd be great. It's uh, about werewolves. And I was like, ooh, just did an episode, you know. Um, and so I was very particular and specific, like, you know, about what I wanted to do next. But after talking to Josh on the phone and he sold me on it he actually sold me on this world and and that's not easy to do because i could have just easily said i'm not doing this project it's too close to the genre that i've kind of already been playing but the character's different and that was, what was important to me was that the character's different mm. and and even though it's the same idea world and genre that people are different you know what i mean and uh, you can't categorize someone into like guillermo would be completely different in this world than you know and vice versa with with joaquin and whatnot so and i think it's safe to say that if you put them next to each other they're not recognizable (laughs) as the same person so it's good uh in that way i was like i want to play that and it has to be different i was very specific and even with joaquin's like hair and whatnot and his mannerism you know like uh I'm sure someone will make a compilation of like the mannerisms between those two characters and how it's <laughs> completely different. But it was nice to know that that was a different approach because um, it could easily be like, oh, here we go again. you know. But I'm glad to report that that was not the case. And, and the movie is totally different. It stands on its own. It's great.
1: Well, the movie also has this really amazing tone to it where even going in with a title like Werewolves Within – knowing that there are going to be, in fact, a werewolf, if not more werewolves. The movie plays very coy with a lot of the supernatural, and you get a lot of time to sort of drink in the cast themselves and their paranoia around the werewolf. It's mm-hmm. it's one of those cute, no, well, not cute, but it's one of those brilliant uh, ways to play around, like, okay, we might have a limited budget and have one day with a werewolf. Mm. How do we do this?
2: Mm-hmm. It was a suspense, I feel, that we set upon ourselves, right? The unknowing is what's scary. And sometimes the best horror and thrillers aren't the ones where we see the monster right away. It's the suspense that it's right around the corner. It's the idea that it's lingering nearby, that it's breathing, you know, uh, loudly down the hall. Uh, The idea that that's that's more terrifying. It's always more terrifying to a human being, the unknown, which is why for so long, you know, the monster has been the villain. You know, when you chase Frankenstein by the townspeople, it's just because it's unknown, it looks different than you, you know? And it's just like, it's the unknown that's terrifying. And that's what makes us, you know, uh, into monsters ourselves, you know? It's like, again, the question is, who is the real monster here? Is it the person you're chasing or stop and look in the mirror?
0: You know, it's also funny because you said just a few seconds ago or maybe a minute ago <laughs> about how um, he sold you on, on on his the way he wanted to make this film. And it's very much so that people can sell you on that stuff all the time, and then the finished product is not what you'd expect. And this was, I mean, I very, adamantly will say right now, because I know it's a big uh, talking point with a lot of people, this is the first real good video game movie that's ever been in existence. So to have a product that comes out like that, were you even more impressed with with, with his product uh, outcome than
2: what you expected? No, you know what? I wouldn't expect anything less from Josh. So like the idea that... um... I mean, I guess it would have gone terribly wrong if it wasn't this, right? So it wasn't <laughs> how you approached it, then we this interview would be totally different. Being like, I did not come out the way I thought, <laughs> um, but I I expected this, from him, and I felt comfortable with him being, you know, the captain of the ship and maneuvering through these waters, uh, because it is it's a tightrope, right? And it could go easily one way or another. Yep. So again, with Joaquin, the idea that this character um, that has been, you know, maybe seen in different uh, versions before, but as a Character right? And it's been seen as this like non-realistic. And I wanted to bring that back and, and hone it down and and show you what it could look like um, with being flamboyant, and that's okay, you know. But also being grounded, um, which is hard to play. You know, it's a hard thing to play. It's again, it's walking on a tightrope. And I think you know, I'm really pleased and and could expect nothing uh, less than this because uh, I trusted everyone who was involved. Uh, down to, you know, the people at Ubisoft and the people, the producers were great. And, um, and Josh is the director and the writer, like it was everyone, it, it, the formula was so perfect that it couldn't, it was going to taste good. I knew it was going to be delicious.
0: <laughs> but also it does a great job of playing against what your expectations are. Cause it seems to want to lead you down a foreshadowing road and it does not follow those lanes in any way whatsoever.
2: Yeah. It gives you a little bit of, uh, you know, um, it's just a u-turns or like a little bit of a neck it just throws you off for a second which is what you need because if it was easy to figure out you know then the movie's over yeah. but uh it gives you enough that you keep going you pick up those clues and those gold nuggets along the way and you're like okay we're getting closer and then as soon as you think you haven't figured out you've been going the wrong way you know <laughs> it's like you were going in the wrong you were supposed to take a look down the street you know <laughs> and you did not so uh it's great and i love those kind of films
1: well, it's just like Knives Out. Knives Out is another good case where you th- you really do think you have it pinpointed on who you know it has to be. Yeah. And then through wonderful diversion, it works in a sense that it throws you off, but there's still enough clues that are present to to lead you back to that, uh, that conclusion because I forget where I heard it, but I'd once heard someone talk about movies that always have, have a twist at the end and they're like, well most of the time, the biggest, the greatest sin is they throw in a twist and it's like, oh, the clues were there the whole time and they're not. But here it's like, no, the clues are there. There's just convenient enough misdirection that you can have fun and branch off.
2: Right. And the conclusions will always be your own, you know, made conclusions, right? So like at the end of the day, you will decide who you wanted to be, you know, the monster or the werewolf or whatnot, because that's your opinion and your opinion matters, obviously. But it's like, it's always upsetting where it's like, oh no, no, that, but see, this is why. And like, that's what's great about a film like this, where everyone is their own detective. And you're going to choose who you're going to choose because you've already made up your mind, right? You made up your mind from the get go. Because we do that as humans, we make up our mind of what's right and what's wrong, what's different, what's scary, what's boring. And so, no one is going to change your mind. You are your own, you know, judge and critic and verdict and everything. And so, we like it that way because that's what this, a good story does. It gives you enough ingredients for you to say I got it from here boys and in reality it's like okay go on and then someone else is crossing your path and stuff because we're all detectives
0: at the end of the day but while the clues are there it's up to you to figure it out well not to not to belittle the point too though but I love that the film does it with very minor minor things as well for and not to spoil I'm not going to say anything specific but not to spoil anything but for some people who think you're getting close plug your ears right now but like the idea of the throwing axe, like I was like, all right, well, we know that's going to come later, and it did, but not completely. Had nothing to do with anything. Was not where it was going. Love yeah. that.
2: Yeah, I love yeah stuff like that. That's so nicely like throwing. Like, oh, there it, there it is. A nice throwback. So yeah, you're absolutely right.
0: But you know, we love we love talking about new films here at Overdue Rentals, but we also love the idea of these films that maybe were once really big, or maybe not as big. that kind of got forgotten by the public that means something to maybe you. I am wondering if there's a film that meant something to you that's really important that people need to go out and see.
2: Yeah, I think for me, and I, it still resonates to this day, which is so weird, and I guess it's kind of telling and just like the idea that I remember watching Heavenly Creatures uh, by Peter Jackson in high school and being blown away, just, yeah. um, just thinking like, what? First of all, I was, in love with Kate Winslet and she did do no wrong. And I was like, what? This was her first film. This was her first film and Melly Linsky was an amazing talent. um, The idea that both of them together. And I don't think a lot of people know that these Two powerhouse like actors have worked together and have a piece of work that lives and breathes that is out there that I think is such a disservice to the community that I was every time I meet someone I'm always like have you seen Heavenly Creatures and if you do find someone who's seen it they automatically I love that film like me too and it's like wait so how come nobody knows about it it's like I guess it's one of those it was a uh, a critical darling it was like you know people knew about it and it was one that I'm not mistaken one of Peter Jackson's first films you know like as a director like really directing and using special effects because there's like a whole scene where like there's butterflies and this is like you know intertwined to like whatever and it's based on true events which is kind of terrifying to me that took place in New Zealand and um, the idea that it was taboo because there was a, you know, if you haven't seen it or if you are going to see it, it's basically about two girls who are best friends and they develop a uh, romantic relationship with each other. But this is like 1954 and it's New Zealand and it's the world in general where um, in the film itself, they have a moment where the doctor diagnoses one of them with homosexuality <laughs> it's just the idea that you're diagnosed with the illness a sickness that you need to be cured from which happens to be your sexuality uh it blew my mind especially in high school yeah. so i was like what is happening could this happen again is this weird like do people get prosecuted and and you know and it was just terrifying and then the outcome of it was even more terrifying where like you know these two people did what they did. And then they were too young for like, you know, to be tried as an adult and ended up living the rest of their lives. Like one of them became an author and under a different name, which blew my mind. And I was like, they should be in prison. (laughs) Like what is happening? But that was 1954. It's like, you can get away. It's like, Oh, sorry. There was a misunderstanding. They were homosexual. (laughs) and Then they did with that. And, but they're also young and also it's 1950s and, it was crazy. So that movie um, has so many layers for me. And I, every time I meet someone new uh, that I like, I'm just like, you know, one of my favorite movies is I have my features because it's, it's so, so terrifying. The suspense of that, of knowing what's going to happen because the movie starts off with the end, which is the murder. And it's, and it goes back in time. And then, so you already know what happened and you're at the edge of your seat to see what made these two people get to that point. And yeah. that's what the journey is. And I love that suspense of like, biting your fingernails of like what is happening and like they're in a bathtub and they're contemplating how to do what they're about to do and you're like this is insane like this is yeah so that movie is uh one of the movies if you haven't seen it you should take a look heavenly creatures Definitely.
0: yeah i was i was obsessed with it when i was when i was younger because i was i was one of those people that watched peter jackson films from like the get-go like all the, the gory horror films he made i mean hero hero was uh dead alive but brain dead and even meet the feebles i i, I had, i had watched when i was a kid so when that came out i was like oh my god i didn't know what to expect and i thought that was the movie that was gonna make him a household name of course you know lord of the rings did that for him mm-hmm. but it's so strange going back and thinking just like you said if people haven't seen it not not mike and i were just talking about it before it's like you can't really rent this movie anywhere right now if you're not getting on physical disc can't it's, buy it, 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 it anywhere unless you're buying on physical system. yeah yeah and like how, not not only is it an amazing film for, for the subject matter, for the way it portrays it, because so many films nowadays want to focus on when it comes to somebody's psychological state, they want to think they know what that state is. And I think this is something that kind of explores p- the possibility of how their minds may have been working at that time. And But it's not trying to say this is exactly right, but it makes sense for what it's supposed to be. And it wasn't trying to push some armchair psychologist's view onto the world. But it also is Kate Winslet and Melanie Linsky's debut. How is it not everywhere for people to to see?
2: Yeah, their first debut film, which blew my mind because to this day, I mean, they've both done amazing work, obviously, in other projects. To this day, that has to remain my, like, top three projects of theirs. Like, it has to be. And that was their first work, like, ever uh, in the mainstream. You know, like, I think it was... Kate was discovered in London or England somewhere, and and Melanie uh, was from New Zealand, right? And she yeah. was also so they were they never met, and they're playing these characters, and they look like the characters and from real life, and um and there was just the way that she, he directed it was so loving in the world he created and the world they you know disappeared to uh you know, and the Mario Lanza like uh, as a metaphor and uh, Orson Welles the most hideous met- like the way that they yep. approached uh men and the stories that they make it's just like it was there's so many layers to the movie that i would love to pick you know peter jackson's brain about like every scene and approach
1: (laughs) well what's also really neat about it is just the, the it's a true story with a very fantastical layer on it because you see like their their imaginary kingdom and and those clay people And then Uh, uh, going back to Orson Welles, like that whole sequence in the end where they're running from him after seeing the third man.
2: Like it's it's, such a
1: fluid way of talking about actual events. And it's like, it doesn't have to be stodgy or stagey or there doesn't have to be a melodramatic scene where they're monologuing for five minutes.
2: Yeah. And the clay dolls, like uh, Varognia, that's the name of the place, right, that they live in. Like the idea that these clay, when you look at them and. And they, the the lines start getting blurred between when they are in reality and when they're going away into their fantasy because there's a scene where Yvonne is like, you know, um, I think, you know, if I recall right, she's losing her virginity and she escapes into the clay world of like these clay dolls, you know, being with each other and being intimate. And it's like, it's such a mind, like, you know, fuck, that it's just like, what is happening right now? Like, it's a crazy, like... But this is what the character was escaping to, or the person it was escaping to, and it's just like it's so well done. It's just like you've directed it so well.
0: Yeah, I remember my father and I because we watched it together. And when we first came out, oh, no <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we, were, we didn't care. He let me watch Clockwork Orange when I was ten years old. Okay, like, you know, it, it was you know. I, I felt watching.
2: Fun. I felt weird watching Titanic just for the nude scene. Yeah, with <laughs> Winslet and my mom
0: in the room. I was like,
2: ah, well, what is happening?
0: <laughs> yeah. No, but- we had, a whole, we had a whole good like half an hour discussion about the idea of, and this has nothing to do with, I mean, it has something to do with the film, but just taking it away. But the idea of how terrifying it is to have a dream about being chased by Orson Welles and, and being able to make that terrifying. Actually, I, I remember I interviewed Peter Jackson once and I said, you know, thank you for that. Thank you for giving me that image because that, those are the kind of things that people don't do in films then or now.
2: Yeah, it was very, I have to say that it's like, for me, it's like, such a great film for Peter, you know, obviously there are the rings and all that. It's fantastic, but this was, and because it was a, a smaller scale, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it was just based uh, and relying on the story and the actors to carry the weight of this story and it's a period piece, it was so beautifully done. And so that sometimes you don't need the, you know, it's great to have the special effects and stuff because that's amazing. Sometimes all you need is a really good, you know, duo and a really good, you know, set of uh, actors and a good story and that's all. You know, you don't need the fancy over the top, you know, sets which those are great as well too. But I I do appreciate the simplicity of the movie because the story is so strong that uh, it
1: can take you away. And just bringing it back to like the 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 eventuality that you know a murder is going to be committed when you get to that moment, it is uh, it, it's one of those things where you get to see Peter Jackson's gorier side because even if you would, if you were like a Die in the Wolf fan, you knew it was there. If you're just looking back, you see, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. But the fact that the moment never lets you off the hook, and you hear and see the pain and the yeah. the ferocity of the act itself. Yeah. You know it's coming, I, but it keeps the moment fresh.
2: It does, and you're always at the you were at the edge of your seat from the get go because the movie starts with you know, covered blood, you know, faces and mummy, she's terribly hurt. And you're like, what happened? And then you go along. So you're always on this edge of your seat feeling, even with even the choral music that intros you into the movie. That's so like, you know, it's so... Like brilliant and like gory and, and 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 creepy and it just gives you already the sense of this something terrible, this foreboding feeling, right? Yeah. It gives you the foreboding feeling of like I'm in for something that's gonna be so crazy, but like that that idea, yeah. My friend and I, Adriana. Who I introduced this movie to, to this day, will, you know, we're separated. And, you know, if I'm working somewhere else in the country, she'll just text me, Gina, you know, just like the yelling of a boat scene, like we're being separated. It's like, don't go, Gina. Um, Because, you know, we love the movie so much, but also the idea that it's so quotable, you know, it's like such great lines, like, you know, I've got scars, too. They're on my lungs. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> just like lines that are so brilliant. And it's so like, oh, when we were talking about we should go on a vacation anywhere but the Bahamas. And it's like, it's like, why? And it's like setting us up for an idea. And so, like, it's me to the Bahamas for the good of my health. You know, just like the idea that it's so quotable. It's so terrifying and it's still talked about so that's a sign of a good movie that it's still being quoted at least with the group of friends who have seen it um years later
0: let's just just, just, oh go ahead Mike. go ahead no go ahead well i was gonna say because just like you were saying before too though you know keeping that suspense because you know where it's going but even as you know because you see like you said you see them running out of the woods but even as we're getting to the end you see that scene where uh the mother is going down into the oven and you can see them thinking well should i just should I just do it now it's like you know it's not going to happen then but like, you're, you're tense you're waiting for it to, to appear so yeah. like just to keep you there is, is that's talent you yeah know?
2: even down to the last minute when they're having tea and it's the last scone or or sweet and she goes go ahead mom treat you yeah and It's just like oh my god it's just. yeah that's i you the- know
0: what I, that's one of those things too like until i, I actually it had been a long time since i seen it until i saw it again i almost forgot about it but wow yeah And then the idea that she feeds her mom her last meal, knowing
2: that she goes, go ahead, treat yourself. It's like, oh, I've put on a lot of weight over Christmas. And it's like, it doesn't matter where you're going. You know, it's just like the idea that alone, that scene, I was just like, what in the, and it's coming up and you're hyperventilating because you're like, here it comes, they're going to do it. And then the slow motion, the music, dun, 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 dun you know it's just like the creepiness of this and they're holding on to branches with their hands and it's like the sound so we're introducing that every sound is going to be heightened now which only leads you to think oh no that means i'm going to hear every oh no and it's like and when it does happen you do hear everything and i mean like i don't know how you even got those sounds but that the sound of a skull caving it you know and it's just like the you know just like the idea and then the the sounds of the, like it was just like, it was. I think when we were watching that, we watched as a group as well. Every time we've watched that, we have to like jump and like, that's terrifying. Like that, that's so gruesome because you set it up and you're invested. And now the mom wasn't like a terrible mom, you know, she was like looking out for her daughter, but the, you feel for this woman, you feel, but you also like, am I siding with the killer because they want to be free, but this isn't the way to do it. Like, this is not the way to do it. But you're also like, you're invested. And that's the thing that, get invested in all these characters where you feel for them and and you're torn you're like i want to like be on your side but you're kind of crazy right now you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) well that just that kind of ties into the point that we mentioned about werewolves within like sort of the personal prejudices where you know you're watching a murderer story and most people would you know in, in some cases you know, you go back to the, the Dahmer movie that Zach Efron did a couple of years ago and everyone's like, why are you doing this? You're glorifying a murderer. And that's sort of a risk that any historical film sort of runs into, but it doesn't place judgment on anyone. It really does put the actual facts in front of you. And to Melanie Alinsky's point, she's never cartoonishly like wicked or evil, even as her face is like half like, silhouetted in blue light and she's obviously doing the look yeah she just i i i when when i first heard remember when i was first brought to my attention that she did this movie i was like whoa whoa what because as most (laughs) like most most other audiences i only really knew her from two and a half men
2: right which is so funny because people it's so funny when people discover you right like i i myself have been in a place where people are like oh gosh like it's so great to say and i saw it, you know so did you start with what we do in the shadows i was like no it's just like that that's probably what you discover, you know or did you start with magician like because it's whatever project you do will always be someone's favorite thing right yeah. and that's the thing that they remember you from and that's sentimental and it means something to them which is important you know and that's how you make connection to that um you know viewer or audience member but it's funny to think that like sometimes people don't even realize like oh no Melly like has done amazing stuff you know it's just that she's done projects she's been selective i'm sure of the content that she puts out there and the, and the roles that she takes and they're all caliber. And so, yes, some are mainstream, like two and a half is obviously mainstream and everyone knows, you know, when there's some of them are darlings that you really have to go look for them. if you if you want to find, you know, the, uh, the honey, you know, look for the pot of honey. <laughs>
0: well, it's also funny too, cause I have similar feelings, but they're almost like in reverse because again, I saw the movie when it first came out, you know, and I saw it's introducing Melanie Linsky and Kate Winslet. I didn't know what was going to happen to them, obviously at that point. And because I had a break where I didn't technically see her or anything for a long time later on in life, where I'm like, oh, she looks familiar. Oh my god, it's the girl from Heavenly Creatures. I can't, I can't believe it, you know? Actually, it's funny, too, because I had, I had a reverse thing, too, with while we watching the movie. Um, you know, um, the Hume, the, the uh, uh, Clive, Mur- Clive Mersom, I can't remember his name, the, who plays Juliet's father, like where do I know his face from? I mean, I saw him in this when he came out. Awareness, and he's in so much stuff. But I kept thinking of—I don't know if you guys watch Peep Show or not. He's—he's he's Mark's father in the, in the Christmas episode. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> it just—it just, just hits you.
2: I mean, let Mellie Linsky went on to do. You know, she was the stepsister, and ever after with Drew Barrymore. That was another one that people were like, how do I know. And I was like, she was in this, um, which you know, she has some like, iconic lines in that. You know, I still quote her lines where. Angelica Houston's characters are like, you know, uh, Jacqueline, I'd hate to think that you have something to do with this. And she goes, Of course not, Mother. I'm only here for the food. <laughs> you know, it's like those lines that she's a delivery are just she's so great with those, you know, one-liners and stuff. Uh, but I've always been a fan of hers and she's been fantastic. And just recently found out that she uh knows what we do in the shadows and apparently likes it and it's friends with Taika, actually. And so only by default have I made my childhood dream come true of meeting Millie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it'll it'll happen. It'll happen. But that but that's why we that's why we love doing this show because we want to bring to light those things that many people have missed. Because there's so there's like there's like a whole generation of people that you think says there's a glut of information out there that they know about it. But I'm amazed to find that there are people who only know Dolph Lundgren right now from mentions in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and that's that's. That's how they know the name yeah. Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. I'm not saying that Dolph Lundgren was the biggest star in the world, but.
2: Yeah, it's also it's... different because, you know, it's different demographics, you know, and like I feel uh, I always make fun and, and joke where if I know where my fan knows me from, I can tell already what they're.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Harvey, for joining us here at Overdue Rentals. Great films, both of them. So wonderful to talk to you
1: yeah and uh, you know what? I, I know we really we haven't been doing the show that long, and it's not that anybody has a lack of enthusiasm for anything. Mm. But that being said, I know, we were talking about it in our pre-show talk. Harvey is just one of our most enthusiastic guests about the film that we picked. Like it, 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 we've had other guests where they they dovetail things really well. But Harvey was very laser-focused on heavenly creatures, and I think it kind of made me like the movie even more.
0: Yeah, it's something definitely where you could tell that it's not like he had to remind himself even, or he had to go give the refresher viewing to talk to us about it. It's playing in his head almost, like, 24-7, it seems. Like, not literally, of course, because that would be really weird.
1: Oh, yeah. Especially because of, like, the 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 subject matter that he usually works with, although... Heavenly Creatures is one of those stories that you could probably easily turn it into
0: a a vampire sort of story. I guess so. I mean, that would be really weird, though, being at a true anyway. story. But, I mean, there's, with all the fantasy, fantasy sequences, you know, whether or not, I mean, he wouldn't, you know, Peter Jackson wouldn't want to go in there and specifically invent so much that maybe didn't exist in their minds and in their world. But you could, if you wanted to take that artistic uh, discretion with it, Say uh, I'm gonna go in and add uh, a whole vampire underlay story to deliver their writing,
1: like inspired by like a vampire movie. Inspired by oh well, it was inspired by this murder. Like I'm not saying oh, oh. biopic with a vampire. No, it's like to like write a vampire story. And it's like I was inspired by this. No, no, ooh. I I would not. You you can't really go into a biopic with that sort of energy unless it's something like Rocket Man, where Elton John himself even said it's just a musical fantasy. Like if yeah. you throw that out there, okay, fine, but no, 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 because that would be even more that would be disrespectful to the the subject matter.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing too. Like Carvey was talking about, you know, it's a it's a true story, in where yeah, I mean, look, I know I know a certain level of information about the true story. Uh, it's one of those things where I, I I know more of what happened after than the initial actual events because I didn't I almost it feels weird like I almost don't want to spoil what I saw in the movie by finding out oh no Orson Welles wasn't one of the people we just used that to you know to because we thought it was a, a better you know visual or, or something along those lines because yeah as as you know I, if I remember correctly as the film says at the beginning you know this, the diary entries were Pauline's. Yes, there's a there's a read out exactly what she she had written. Now, I'm not gonna I'm not going to spoil anything by ruining somebody's life by saying it, especially since you know it came out years before the movie was made. That Juliet became the author Anne Perry, very famous mystery author, and you know New York Times bestseller you know type type of person because I re- I remember. When the movie came out, it was, you know, it was like the fledglings of before I could even have the internet at home. So I couldn't just Google yeah. the name. And I remember trying to figure out who because I, I heard that she was a famous author, a mystery writer. And I was trying to figure out who it was. I'm like, maybe she's PD James or something <laughs> along those lines. And but yeah, it just came it came out shortly after. That that's who she is. <laughs> um and so it's strange watching this movie, then not knowing, after knowing whatever it is. Just that they they exist out in the world, and I don't, I'm it's hard to to gauge whether I'm okay with that or not.
1: Yeah, that's that's something that even you you heard what Harvey said. He was even like, "Well, you're out." It's like that's kind of crazy, and it. I, I this was my first time watching it actually because okay. I had, I had known of heavenly creatures. I had known that it was a film that Peter Jackson did. However, I think I revealed this before. I had no. I knew Kate Winslet, but I did not know that that was Melanie Linsky in there. And it's like, wait, wait, okay. Yeah. And then, sure enough, getting to watch this for the first time, it's really interesting to see where Peter Jackson is at in his career at that point because he's already passed making Brain Dead and and Meet the Feebles. He's gonna do the. He does the Frighteners right after that, which really kind of kicks things off for him. But even watching how he handles the story in Heavenly Creatures, you see where he's going to eventually go with his his talents. And just the fantasy world that he creates in this is both beautiful and, and nightmarish at any given point.
0: Well, what I find so strange, uh, and we didn't bring up when we were talking to Harvey, is that... In some way, I'll, I'll, I'll not disagree, but I'll like think about watching certain things in like Lord of the Rings per se and see where he was trying to like maybe bring in that old horror side of him and so on and so forth. So it's kind of, I can see where he came from. But with Heavenly Creatures, at the time we didn't know, was that when he ultimately ended up making the Lovely Bones, even though it's based on another person's book, the fantasy world in that. Heavenly Creatures was, was the proto version, and I think the better version. And I don't know if maybe it was because of the limits of special effects at that time or wanting to do things, because really there's only that one scene where the, there's like a the meadow that grows into their castle uh, yard at one point, uses that the morphing technology at the time, which looked a little silly, but still felt for the time better than the things that i w- witnessed in The Lovely Bones when she was in that kind of mystical world, when she, uh, you know, the transcendental plane, if you want to call it, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, But having the more grounded physical effects Heavenly Creatures makes it almost like, whether you like the Lovely Bones or not, it's like, who cares? Heavenly Creatures is right here. And that's what I wanted from him in Lovely Bones. Exactly. And... It is just absolutely
1: upsetting that you go and look for this on the internet, and this is probably part of why it is an overdue rental, but I will ask you for, for more of an opinion on, in your opinion, since you're well versed with this film. Part of the reason this is such an overdue rental is because the only way you can find it is on a YouTube rip unless you want to pay on the secondary market for a DVD, and I think part of that is because... The rights to films from Miramax have become a quagmire where different companies have bought them up for home video at this point. What this when this was released on DVD, this was way back in the days when Miramax was still owned by Disney and it was just simple as going to Disney. But now you've got Lionsgate that has some of the Tarantino films. You've got Mill Creek that does a lot of other Lionsgate movies. Like it's basically one of those things where since the studio kind of fell into like a lapsed sort of the elapsed status because of the various things that you know the weinsteins have done and been outed for yeah there's just it, it's a very tenuous hold on where these movies are available and i don't even know who owns heavenly creatures at this point and i wish we did because you know it'd be really nice to to get like every nicer shout could get their hands on this yeah and like clean up the print and maybe do a, a retrospective with everyone well but i know why do you think this is an overdue rental
0: well, I mean, look, I mean, to, to, to talk to your point a little quickly first as well, I do know that I think it every so often does pop up on Pluto, does pop up on Tubi and stuff like that, but it's not there for very long. And it's, I didn't follow the release as much because I bought it when it first came out on DVD as well because I loved it so much I wanted to own it. I don't know what other, I never really checked up. I don't know what other release it has since then.
1: I don't think it's had any. I
0: don't exactly. even think it's on Blu ray. Yeah. And that's, that's it's like, it's so strange that it hasn't been there. And I think that definitely fits into why it's an overdue rental. But in the same breath, I think there is, there's just this lapse of people, whether they know it's a Peter Jackson film or not. They read the synopsis, they watch a trailer, whatever it may be. And I think there's just a certain section of people that go like, eh, I don't know. Or they see they see like oh it takes place in the fifty I don't know you know and and, and I think that's another problem with a lot of films in general I mean that could be a lot of problems with older films just because they're black and white people are not going to watch them unfortunately which is just insanity um, mm-hmm. you know so I think this has kind of got the perfect storm of situations that make it an overdue rental and make it tough for people to find <laughs> and, and it it really needs you know I'll call it a resurrection. You know, I don't. I don't understand how it's not out there more. Don't understand how it's not talked about more. Yeah, it was talked about. It was talked about when it came out. Like it, was you said, it was an Oscar nominee. Oscar nominee. The reviews were out the door. You know, but in the same breath, the reviews are out the door for a lot of small films, and even back then, it was tougher for people to either catch them because that whole old adage of New York, LA, and then you know maybe a few theaters later on down the road. Until it comes on home video, and then when it comes on home video, it's in a small section nobody cares to look at. Now it's a lot easier for people to grasp onto the indie films, but it's just – it kind of hit in that weird time. And that's something that I've really
1: – this is something that I, I almost kind of want to start a whole other podcast on this. But just looking at movies that had really huge – I find this especially with awards movies. Some of them have really huge buzz. Even if it's just, even if it wasn't nominated, if it was like leading up to the nomination and everyone's like, like the one year Jennifer Aniston had her role in Cake and everyone's like, this is going to be her Oscar nomination. Yeah, she did not get nominated, if I remember correctly. And then even if she did, it just kind of fell off the face of the earth. Like you look at the artist, the artist won Best Picture 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's a whole other conversation that I don't really want to have ever. Oh, <laughs> oh. I, am, I don't dislike the art. Ours is fine. It's a fun little thing. It does not deserve it. And Jean Jean Jean's, fantastic. Did not deserve to win best actor. Sorry. That's exactly
1: that's the whole point of this other thing that I might start at some point. And I'm kind of staking it now, is just I want to go back and really look at the best pictures and maybe even the best like screenplay nominees at one point and say, okay, Action. this one really deserved to win. And this yeah, wasn't well, an yeah. easy year.
0: That's something we can definitely talk about too on this show, on 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 an offshoot. Like We, we can talk about yeah. that in the future. Um, but, but
1: yeah, have, this is this is definitely a, a, an overdue rental, and I'm glad you brought it, put it on the list, and I'm glad both you and Harvey kind of got me to watch it because it's yeah. and again, this is something I always wanted to watch.
0: It sounds like we're gonna have to tell some people that they can't talk about it because there were some people that have possibly want to talk about that one too, and I'm like, sorry, Harvey got <laughs> there first, and. Again, deservedly so, because it really seems like this is committed to memory for him. So it was great to talk to him about it. And Werewolves Within, go see it. The second, oh. I can't- there are films. There are films that like. I, f- I feel weird saying this in a way because I don't want to. I don't want to make something sound like oh, it's got like a low budget or something like that. Because this is not. This is not like. I mean, again, granted, it's low budget compared to a Disney film or you know the Marvel Disney films. But yeah, modest indie budget. Yeah, but it's like you see a trailer, you see an image from it, and you're like, oh, you know, that, 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 and not having a budget doesn't mean it's not good, because we know for a fact that's not the case, but there's something about it, it kind of gives an aura, and then when you see it, wow. Totally not the case. This film, from like all angles, is fantastic. Like I remember sitting there watching the very opening, and I'm like, oh, yes. they know what they're doing. They really know what they're doing, and then because that, that's on a serious note. And then when they get to the more com- comedic aspects of it, they're like, oh, yeah, th- I forgot. They know what they're doing. And that's they did hilarious. not miss a beat.
1: The more that I think about this movie, the more that I enjoy it. And I really wish that someone like, uh, not to say that IFC doesn't know what they're doing, because IFC, you know, without IFC, we wouldn't have another future overdue rental. There's probably a couple future overdue rentals, but I'm specifically thinking of In the Loop.
0: God, the, I got you. Yeah,
1: yeah. Go. yeah the, the thick of an adaptation. Yeah, but yeah, As much as IFC knows what they're doing, I wish that they could have partnered with someone like Lionsgate or some other mid mid major studio because this honestly is something that I think would kill. And I think that Knives Out is proof that this is the sort of this sort of movie still it, it should still exist. And this is this the talent on this thing. Yeah, the, just the acting the acting roster alone would draw people in but this really does have the goods to it.
0: Well, it is it is premiering at this year's Tribeca Film Festival, which is starting a little later than normal. And that's, you know, we're premiering a few here through that. Um, and so hopefully, you know, it's funny too. I was actually looking it up on the website. Um, and granted, there are going to be in public uh, screenings now that vaccinations have been through and people can go see things, but it really only has the one real big public screening. It is sold out. Good. Like, Right from the get-go, fantastic, thank you. And there will be options for people to see it too, don't worry, through the festival, and then it will be available in theaters and eventually on demand for you as well. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's going to have its day, hopefully, and, and really get pushed out there. Um, and it's also something that, you know, because I talk a lot, and people probably get sick no matter where I'm at, writing reviews, <laughs> listening to the podcast. You talk, I talk a lot. You know, addictive. you should have a podcast. Yeah. Well, I talk about things being predictable. And I will say, and we can talk about this after, Mike. I did predict the twist at the end. I knew early on, but because things were done so well, it did not matter. And that's what makes, a, that one makes filmmaking smart. Well, that makes a filmmaker smart. Again,
1: knives out, same thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, and again, I, I, I mentioned it during the interview. There are small things, it's like, Oh, all right. So I know that's going to come back later on. And again, they bring it back, but just to, just to kind of make it go. That's what you thought. And I loved it. I absolutely love it. Hilarious. The, the, the doctor, when she's creepily coming in into each scene, just making me laugh Just without her being able to like respond to people. It was just so brilliant. Every little piece of the movie was fantastic all the performances were so on point for what they were supposed to be i am i always feel weird saying it because there are things i've missed i haven't seen yet so i'm just going on based on the things i've seen so far definitely best film of the year so far
1: it's i I think this will definitely stick on it'll be high on my list uh this is another one of those movies where i honestly feel when edgar wright did Shaun of the dead he was a blessing to the world because it allowed filmmakers to tap into this. It, it's like it's the same similar sort of vocabulary as Tarantino or Rodriguez, where there is a genre they love. They are going to tell yeah. a story in that medium. But the way that Edgar Wright did it with Shaun of the Dead and to, a, to an extent the way that it was told the werewolves within the love of the genre does not separate them from it it's like i'm going to play here and i'm going to poke fun but there's some serious execution here i'm not just doing it for a wink and a nod and it just has that sort of manic energy where you're just really enjoying yourself and really digging where the filmmaker is coming from uh benny loves you was also another one that i felt that same way
0: well it's funny you know i got all excited i don't know if you saw i got all excited when you mentioned it not just because it's great to mention i can write at any time but uh, I forgot that when I was watching the film at first, it's not like it's an Edgar Wright knockoff in any way whatsoever. But at, f- at first I'm like, oh, here's our American Edgar Wright. When, when like, as the film starting to kind of kick off, I'm like, it's, it's a very, it's got a similar feel, but it's not, it's not a copycat.
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, this is someone that plays in the same sandbox, but doesn't copy the homework.
0: Yeah, and with that, you know, go see both the movies, go see Heavenly Creatures, go see Werewolves Within, Watch it, them on
1: the same day. They're an interesting double feature.
0: Watch them all the time.
1: Yes. We're officially going to say ignore all the other films that we have on our back catalog that you can listen to on major podcast platforms to just... No, this it could be, you know, Werewolves Within Summer. Yeah. <laughs> Hot <laughs> Werewolf Summer. Hashtag it.
0: And with that, Mike, where can everybody find us?
1: Well, that's a good question, Matthew. Everybody can find us on Twitter, at Rentals Overdue. On Facebook, at Overdue Rentals. On Instagram, at Overdue Rentals Show. On TikTok, absolutely nowhere because we haven't signed up yet. And should you want to email us suggestions or feedback, or just want to send us some wonderful, wonderful love notes or the identity of the werewolf in the room, please email us at OverdueRentals at gmail.com.
0: I'm Matthew Shuffman.
1: I'm Mike Reyes.
0: And with that... Scratch Heavenly Creatures off your Overdue Rentals list, and then make sure to catch Werewolves Within so it's not on your Overdue Rentals list when available. Thanks for joining us. Ah. Ha! Bye-bye. Bye-bye!